0: Therefore, we have a responsibility to steward our walk with God and to maintain His flame that He has ignited in our hearts. I am your host, Keith Collins, and I invite you to join me now as we explore biblical truths that help us to maintain the flame of God upon the altar of our hearts. And welcome to this week's Maintain the Flame podcast. I'm blessed that you are joining me. And as every week, I pray that this week encourages you, that it strengthens you in your walk with God, and also that it challenges you to go deeper into the purposes of the Lord in your life, as well as the life of the church in this hour that we live in. You know, this past weekend, I was blessed and really honored to be a part of a large event that took place in our nation's capital. Um, We were with several thousand people. I've never really... Figured out the exact number. I've heard 50,000, 100,000. Bottom line, there were a lot of people. There were two different groups that were actually there. Franklin Graham, son of the late evangelist Billy Graham, had a prayer march. And um, they marched from the monument all the way to the Capitol you know around the the White House area, and you know really just literally prayed for two hours a prayer march, which was really powerful, but also, there were several thousand people on the mall um near the monument that were gathered together at an event called the return and the whole premise is really returning back to the Lord. The foundation of that gathering was repentance and a lot of prayer going on, a lot of, um, a lot of different speakers. Um, you know, the thing that really stood out to me the most was Jonathan Kahn, who really had a word from the Lord for the church, for America, regarding the hour that we live in, regarding our role to repent as the church, as well as, you know, the, the reality of the, the judgment of God and how that relates to America as well as what the role of the church is in that setting or in that scenario so it was important um, you know I was with some dear friends of mine from West Virginia and I saw other friends from different parts of the country that were there so it was really a blessing and I really feel like you know um, it was a pivotal setting it was a pivotal day and that the Lord was with us and that the Lord will use that gathering to further his eternal purposes in the church in America, as well as around the world, and as well as in the United States of America. Another thing that was interesting is that there were several people, um, you know, I heard millions, I'm not exactly sure, but but several people I know joined via simulcast from different parts of the country and even different parts of the world. I know that folks from Israel were tuned in, as well as, you know, of course, different parts of the world. So that... That in and of itself was, was a powerful thing. And I am believing to see a lot of fruit out of what took place there this past Saturday on the mall in Washington, D.C. So let me encourage you to, to be prayerful during the season. I, I'm recording this the morning after the presidential debate that took place last night. And, um, you know, as that debate took place, of course, there's different opinions who won, who lost. The, the dynamic of the debate the the bantering the back and forth um what profit that is, you know, I think some people like that stuff like kind of a, a fighting type style, other people I think are more interested in um, discussion discussing um, substantive issues as far as where do people stand on what place and what point so anyway, despite our opinion of the debate, who won or who lost um the reality is it just further highlights the season that we're in in America as well as the season that the church finds itself in and the the urgency that we have in this hour that we live in you know I was blessed to um to leave the event um, Saturday evening with a group of people from West Virginia from um, the Hampshire county over near Romney West Virginia area and Preached in their church this past Sunday for dear friend of mine, dear friends of mine, pastors Wayne and Bonnie Stotler, and the message that I shared, um, just really from my heart, was something that I called the tipping point. And my point was that I believe our nation has come to a tipping point. We are in a season, we're in a setting, we're in an hour to where we are about to kind of go over the edge, so to speak. In other words, we're at that tipping point and we have we've seen so much ungodliness and unrighteousness permitted promoted and even celebrated in america that that now i feel like we have come to a place to where unless we see um, the church arise unless we see revival in the church and awakening in the nation I don't know what the next 10, 20, 30 years in America will look like. And, you know, there are things that we've seen even here in the last seven or eight months that have shocked us, that have stirred us, that have... Um, you know, challenged our emotions, challenged our prayer life, challenged our worldview. And, um, it's, it's a challenging season that we're in. You know, we've, we've seen the murder of millions, tens of millions of babies. I've heard 73 million since Roe v. Wade. And we know that, you know, these numbers go up every day, so to speak. Um, you know, we've legalized abortion in America and, um, it has become a bloodbath. I mean, these beautiful, innocent, Children that are so defenseless um, are being killed in their mother's womb day in and day out in America, and it's a legal thing. Um, We have legalized gay marriage, we have, you know, taken God's plan for marriage one man and one woman for life, and we have pretty much um, exercised that traditional nuclear family. Um, marriage, m- one man and one one woman. We have taken that pattern that that God instituted from the beginning, really, and we have pushed that aside and say that's only a type of marriage. But you know, it's okay for two people of the same sex to be married. Now there's talk of polyamory, where multiple people can marry. So. We find ourselves in a very, very challenging time. We are seeing um, homosexuals ordained into the ministry in some of the major denominations in the United States of America. And I could go on and on. In other words, um, we find ourselves at a tipping point and we find ourselves at a crossroads. You know, this this coming week, uh, I'm sorry, not this coming weekend, but next weekend, not this weekend, but the following, I'm actually doing a seminar in um, a little town called Friendsville, Maryland, Garrett County, Maryland, at a place called the Anchor Church with Pastor, Pastors Mike and Sandy Robinson. And I'm doing a three-hour seminar that Saturday. I believe it's October the 10th <clears throat> on what I'm calling a biblical worldview or how to have a biblical worldview in a postmodern world. And, you know, I've, I've taught on a biblical worldview in a college setting um, several times over the years. But we felt it was important, in light of an election lumen in light of some of the things that were seen um, come to come to bear in our generation that it's it's important for leaders for for people that just love the Lord to really understand what it means to have a true biblical world view so we find ourselves at a tipping point, friend. We are we are in a season, again, to where I, I believe that the only solution is revival and awakening. I believe the only remedy is um, the church to come alive and to assume her role and to take her place. And I think we have to understand our role as the church of, of the Lord Jesus Christ. I, I want to read from Second Timothy. This is Paul's second letter. To Timothy, who of course was located in Ephesus or Asia Minor, and um, you know I love First and Second Timothy; they're both very powerful letters. Um, but listen to Second Timothy, chapter two, and verses one and two. Paul said, "You then, my child, speaking to Timothy, be strengthened by the grace that is in Christ Jesus." And what listen to what he said, and what you have heard from me in the presence of many witnesses. In trust to faithful men, who will be able to teach others. Also, <clears throat> this this charge from Paul to Timothy really resonates in my heart right now. Um, you know, Paul is saying, "Listen, that that you've heard from me, the truth of the gospel of Jesus Christ, the foundational." the foundational truths of the Word of God. He says, entrust these truths to faithful men because we need perseverance. We need faithfulness. We need to see individuals that are willing to, to walk out their faith and to stand in boldness in an hour of of sin in an hour of secular humanism, in an hour of postmodernism, in an hour where our generation and really the generations that are alive in the earth, by and large, have forfeited the foundational truths of the gospel. Now, with that said, I understand there are people that are faithful, there are churches that are faithful, there are people that are that are praying and um, and that are you know that really love the Lord. However, the bottom line is. Many people have strayed from the faith. Even people that years ago had a strong foundational system in their lives founded and grounded in the Word of God. You know, we've seen such a barrage of of compromise and sin even in the church. And we find ourselves now in that situation that we need faithful men and women. We need men and women that are unwilling to to flinch in the face of compromise, especially as we are witnessing the overtness, the, the ostentatious nature, in other words, the the um the forceful nature of the spirit of this age that is sticking its head into every dynamic of our culture. And again we we see ourselves, even as Jonathan Kahn so powerfully um, spoke about on Saturday, and you know, I've shared these things myself, we see the fulfillment of Isaiah where they would call good evil and evil good. And that is where we're at, my friend, in America, where we are celebrating perversion, ungodliness, an antichrist spirit. We we celebrate that stuff, and we hail people as heroes are as, you know, valid as people of character if they come out and promote sin and ungodliness and perversion. Um, that's that's the hour that we live in. I'm not just this is not just rhetoric I'm not just saying what might happen. This is the hour that we find ourselves in and it is ominous It is challenging. It is dark um, I'm not trying to just paint a bleak picture But i'm trying to be real because this is a very serious season that we find ourselves in in america And the church has to assume its role. We have to understand why the lord has placed us in this setting, in this season. Uh, Paul also said in Ephesians 4.1, that as a prisoner for the Lord, then I urge you to live a life worthy of the calling that you have received. We must live worthy of the calling. What is the calling? The calling is to be salt, to be light. Jesus said, now you are the light of the world. What a powerful statement from our Lord. Of course, Jesus is the ultimate light. However, he uses us. To reflect His holiness, His righteousness, His His standards, His love, His mercy, His judgments in the earth. We are the church of the Lord Jesus Christ. We are His reflection in the earth. Therefore, we must be salt and light. But if the salt loses its saltiness... If we blend in and we become just like the world around us, then we cease to have the ability to make a difference in the generation that that we live in. Um, Listen to what Jude said. Jude 3 said, Dear friends, although I was very eager to write to you about the salvation we share, I felt I had to write and urge you to contend for the faith that was once for all entrusted to the saints, earnestly, contend for the faith that was once for all entrusted to the saints what is jude challenging the church to do here he he's challenging the church to fight i don't mean take up arms i don't mean take up weapons but we have got to become aggressive in the spirit realm The word of God is clear the weapons of our warfare they are not carnal but they are mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds as I as I assembled together with tens of thousands of people in Washington DC this past Saturday um I could see the weapons of our warfare you know you you could literally feel the power of that prayer gathering but God forbid that's just a one-time event or once every 10 years or, you know, I've been to different events like that, America for Jesus, um, pro-life marches in Washington. Um, you know, there's been powerful events over the years, but, but, but the Lord forbid that that's the only time that the church really assumes her rightful place and executes war on the powers of darkness. Listen, we are called to be a people of prayer, but if we are not a people of righteousness and holiness and purity of motives and, and brokenness and humility, then, then we can make all the noise we want to make, but it's going to make no significant difference. But when the church assumes her role, and we realize our role at this tipping point of cultural um, society in america and really the nations of the world something happens it it literally allows the omniscience of god to be bent towards the church and there's fresh empowerment there's fresh vision there's there's real eternal joy that usurps even persecution that usurps the challenges that we face in our everyday life, there is this clothing of the glory of God that we assume and that we walk in. And we, we stand in the power of the Holy Spirit. And the Lord begins to reveal his heart for the generation that we live in. Listen to what Paul said in 1 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 1 and 2. He said, So then men ought to regard us as servants of Christ and as, listen to this, and as those entrusted with the secret things of god now it is required that those who have been given a trust must prove faithful we've been entrusted with the secret things of god in other words the lord has revealed his eternal purposes to the church when we really walk in fellowship with him as a result we must prove ourselves faithful Church, if there's ever been an hour when faithfulness must be the, the setting, it must be the foundation of who we are as the people of God, it is right now. Um, unfortunately, the church has been characterized by, by many things in, in recent decades, in America especially. We've been characterized through our ability to entertain each other. We are good with production. We are good with big gatherings. We are good now with smoke machines and lights and and all the things that that the church has has adopted and that the church uses. And and you know we've we're great at writing songs and we're great at you know making celebrities out of people that are talented and gifted and even making celebrities out of. Preachers and pastors and mega church leaders and all these things that the church does, but I think it's time now to stand back and say, Lord, what effectiveness is this really having? What effect is this really having in the generation that we live in? I've I've said this for years. It's amazing that with all of our advancement, with all of our technologies, with all of our media outlets that we have now, our nation continues to grow darker sin continues to to encroach upon the church even much less upon our nation of course upon the nation but even um, in the church sin is becoming a hallmark of the church and with all of our ability to do and to to go and to send out how is it that our nation and that the church? Continues to, to fall into darkness. And I, I believe that, that there's a cry for faithfulness. There's, there's a cry for prayer warriors. There's a cry for, for people to align themselves with the heart of God. There's a cry for, for people to, to examine our lives. And I'm not talking about some legalistic do this and don't do this. However, the fact of the matter is this, when we give our hearts to Jesus, we are called into a life of separation we separate ourselves unto him and we are set apart as his and through that setting apart the lord begins to reveal his purposes for our lives for the church and we have to be faithful over what god shows us when the secret things of god become known and we're entrusted with these things then the church must assume her role what is her role her role is faithfulness even unto death her role is faithfulness. Paul said, I am not ashamed of the gospel. We must not be ashamed of the gospel in a secular humanistic society that we find ourselves in. Whenever the world calls us fanatical, when the world calls us antiquated, old-fashioned, outdated, we must not allow those things to cause us to, to back up or to back down, but we must be willing to even bear the shame of the cross why because friend it is the glory of god unto salvation i believe there's a call right now there's a call to the true church of the lord jesus christ god is awakening hearts Throughout this nation and around the world, but in America right now, God is awakening hearts. There are people that have, have come to the place to where they, they finally realize that the way we're doing church just isn't working. It's not just about the Sunday morning service or two services or three services, whatever you have. I mean, some churches are having five and six public gatherings weekend again some of those things can be productive and i'm not saying nobody's helped in these type of settings but but friend that's not really the church the church is this force in the earth that is clothed with the glory of god we have been emboldened with power through the baptism of the holy spirit and our calling is to be faithful over the secret things that god has revealed to us that listen the lord will return in glory for his church one day the second return of Jesus is 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 imminent. It's it's a reality, and d- despite what your eschatology is pre, mid, or post trip, that's not what I'm talking about. The bottom line is the Lord will return to this earth. He will return to the church, and will we be found faithful when He comes? Will we be those that can look in the face of our Lord and say, Lord Jesus, we were willing to. To live a life that was worthy of the calling that you placed upon us. So listen, we are, I believe, in a great season of opportunity. In the midst of challenge, in the midst of darkness, in the midst of peril, in the midst of compromise, in the midst of grave perversion, I also see amazing Opportunities. We must, listen, we must be willing to embrace and employ the opportunities that the Lord has set before us at this time. If there's ever been a time to be a people of prayer, now's the time. If there's ever a time to share your faith to share your testimony, you say, well, people don't want to hear it. That's not the question, friend. You plant another waters, Paul said, and God gives the increase. You'd be surprised if you just began to share the gospel with people. Oh, you're going to find resistance. You're going to encounter resistance. The gospel has always encountered resistance, but there's fertile ground out there. There are people that are, are desirous of something real, even in the midst of the COVID-19, especially the first three months or so. There was such a spirit of fear that came over our nation that even came over a lot of the church i i saw where the gospel was the solution not fear not playing into the fear but the truth of the gospel is what sets the captive free so even in the season of political turmoil in the season of unrest in the season of chaos and uncertainty that we find ourselves in, in the united states of america What I see is opportunity. I see this is our finest hour. This is the time that the gospel works even more. The gospel always works effectively, but in the midst of chaos, in the midst of turmoil, we see the power of the light of the gospel making the most most incredible difference. So let me challenge you. If you love Jesus Christ, if you are a follower of the Lord Jesus Christ, this is your finest hour. Be holy. Be prayerful. Be humble and authoritative at the same time. Be filled with the Holy Spirit. And do the works of Jesus in this generation. You see, we cannot be a people that just sit back and wonder when and if God will move in our midst again. In fact, we must be a people that are willing to move deliberately towards God and His purposes as we deliberately execute His kingdom in this important time of history. Now, there's, there's a, a quote that I read. Um, you know, I've never, you know confirm this per se but but i have read it and so I, I i definitely assume it's true and that there's a quote by the late smith wigglesworth the great healing evangelist who lived years ago died i think in the 40s but but anyhow um wigglesworth once said he said if the spirit of god will not move me then i will move the spirit of god now some people would say that's very conceited and arrogant but i, I think i know what the man is saying he, he's basically saying this, listen, I've been clothed with the glory of God. I've been filled with the spirit of God. Therefore, I'm a walking move of God. Wherever I go, the kingdom of God is with me. Therefore, I bring the supernatural manifestation of God's kingdom everywhere I go. And I don't believe it's arrogant to know that foundational truth that, listen, we bring the kingdom of heaven with us everywhere that we go. We are clothed with his glory. We are baptized. Jesus said, John baptized you with water into repentance. He said, But I will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and with fire. We are baptized with the power, the fire of the living God Himself. Therefore, we can't wonder. I wonder if God's going to move. Now, I understand there are these um, sovereign outpourings that happen and they've happened throughout history and we're believing for that like a third great awakening to where there's this um divine consciousness or awareness that god is in our nation again and there's a fear of god that blankets the nation i i pray for that god please let that happen however i can't wait for that to happen to be who god has called me to be as a follower of jesus christ and the church in the midst of the hour that we're in we must advance the kingdom even in the face of the darkest darkness that we've ever seen. In, In the dark of night, we must advance the light of the gospel. So listen, move deliberately towards the Lord and his purposes. Don't cower and just kind of sit back in your houses, so to speak, or in your church houses and just hope that God does something. Do something for God take a risk <laughs> life's about risk and i don't mean something stupid but i mean be bold in your faith i'm not talking about what you feel in your flesh i'm talking about be clothed in the spirit of god and stand in the boldness why did the um did the early church receive the baptism of the holy spirit not just so they could speak in tongues and prophesy that we see um, but they received the holy spirit so they would be bold they became bold witnesses of the lord jesus christ we see peter denying the lord three times and as soon as he was baptized in the holy spirit he became bolder than a lion a lion because of this incredible experience that he had with the spirit of god himself so listen let me just read a few more verses to you ephesians 4 1 paul says this as a prisoner for the lord then i urge you again to live this life worthy of the calling. I want that to sink in again as I, I close out here in the next couple of minutes. I, I read that at the, on, at the onset of this. But Paul says, listen, I'm a prisoner for the Lord. What does he mean? Jesus owns my life. And when that becomes real, friend, um, when that becomes a reality, and you have to understand the the understanding that Paul had, he was basically calling himself a, a love prisoner, a love slave to Jesus. He had willingly given himself to the Lord. And as a result of that, his passion was to live a life that's worthy of the call of God. So let me let me just close with a few questions. Why do we exist as the church in this hour that we live in, in the city that you're in, in the, the county, the, the community, the 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 state that you're in, why do we exist as the church? Are we just an institution? that serves to enable um, people to have a quaint surface experience with religion while only presenting a social gospel? Or is the Great Commission still the source and the force of our propulsion as we move forward in obedience to our call in this vital hour of history? Number two, why have we as individuals decided to become a part of the church of the Lord Jesus Christ? In other words, are we willing to, to embrace maturity and fulfill the call to be equipped during the season, or will we simply be consumers and not producers in God's kingdom? You know, the Lord's blessed our ministry with a property um, up in the north-central region of West Virginia, and and we know that God wants us to use this property to deliberately equip laborers in this generation that we live in. But there has to be a willingness. We we can't just... The Bible says in... um, in Proverbs, I believe it's Proverbs 13, verse four, three or four. The sluggard desires or craves and gets nothing, but the desires of the diligent are fully satisfied. There's a lot of people that are sluggard in their faith. In other words, they they're sluggers. They they are um, they're apathetic. They desire a move of God. They desire to see a nation change, but they're sluggards. They, they're they not willing to invest their heart, their lives, their passions into the things of God, and they get nothing in return. Are we willing to say, Jesus, I give you everything, Lord. I, I submit my life, my passions, my dreams, my goals, my desires unto you fully so that you might be glorified in my life. And that brings me... Um, to my third question what owns the passions of the hearts of the people of god what owns your passions friend what is it that your desire is for this this will show you who you worship or what you worship i believe the things that your passions vent towards are the things that you really worship that's what paul said in colossians 3 too, set your minds or your affections on things that are above not on things on the earth why because paul realized that our our passions must be heavenly they must be eternal um another th- question here number 4 can we be faithful in the small things so that God can and will entrust us with the greater Friend, God's looking, i bring it back to where I started. God's looking for faithfulness. Can we be faithful in the small things? I mean, you want to take the world over for Jesus, but you can't even be faithful to your own community, to your own family, to your own prayer life. You see, we've got to be faithful there first. And when we're faithful there, that equips us for the greater things. Proverbs 28, 20 says, A faithful man will be richly blessed, but one eager to get rich will not go un." punish you see our progress in the kingdom of god is connected to our faithfulness even in the small things and the lord will bless us he'll favor us he'll anoint us to accomplish his purposes in our lives through faithfulness and, and the last thing um, i'll ask is this my last question do we properly ascertain the brevity of our lives on the earth james 4 14 why you do not even know that what will happen tomorrow what is your life you are a mist that appears for a little while and then vanishes i talked about eternity several weeks ago but listen we must embrace every day with a deliberateness and focus upon god and his will for our lives life is short it's it's fleeting it, it passes by and if the lord tarries all of us by way of the grave, we'll, we'll leave this, this world by way of human death, death to our mortal bodies. Life is a vapor. There, there's no rewind. There's no going back and, and redoing things. We have to embrace the brevity of our life. And, you know, as I'm in my fifties now, I realize what that really, really means. So listen, let me, let me close by encouraging you, friend. The Lord is moving. Move with him, though. Don't sit back and wait. For something to happen in the sense that, you know, the whole nation's in great revival. You become the revival force in the area that you're in. You become the the source of prayer, the source of praise, the source of evangelism, the source of prophecy. Be equipped with the purposes of God. And as our nation finds itself at a tipping point, now is our finest hour. Arise and shine listen the glory of the lord is upon his church and when we understand that and we walk out deliberately in this way words, we walk out his purposes deliberately understanding that we're his glory we're his representation in the earth then friend nothing is impossible thank you so much for listening to maintain the flame with keith collins today i trust that you've been blessed and encouraged as you've listened And if you hunger for a greater passion for the Lord that will not dim or subside, then let me encourage you to listen weekly to episodes that will encourage you in your walk with God. To learn more about our ministry, you can visit us at Keith-Collins.org or ImpactGF.org. May the fire of God burn brighter and hotter in your life. God bless you.